0: Good morning. How are you doing today? Man, it is good to see you guys. Welcome. Welcome to the Advent Conspiracy as we start to take apart and to look at what it's like to celebrate the coming of Jesus. And we're going to spend the next several weeks going over some things. We're going to look at what it looks like to worship fully, to spend less, to give more, and to love all. And we're going to take those apart and we're just going to kind of dissect them and really pour into them and kind of see where that goes. And I don't know where you're at, but I am a a holiday junkie. I I love holidays. I I don't know what it is about them, but I I really love when November rolls around and we have No Shave November, and you get to celebrate the fact that God places hair all over you and you just get to let it grow. Um, And I want to take holidays to another level. So this year for No Shave November, and I've done this for about seven years. My goal is to make it last a full year, because I never like when the holidays end. So I'm trying to take No Shave November to a whole new level and make it go to November of 2013. So if you don't know who I am, um, my name is Tim. I was the bald guy that was here a couple weeks ago. Um, And now this is kind of just what God's done to me, and we're just going to see where it goes for a whole year (laughs) and see what happens. So pray for my family, specifically my wife, um, because she's not feeling, you know, just how beautiful a holiday this is. But I love, I love holidays, man, I love Thanksgiving, I love eating and I love fellowship, I love hanging out with friends and with family and being a part of that. I love Christmas time, man, I, I love watching and being able to give gifts and watching kids and just that whole moment that wraps around Christmas. I hate Christmas trees and Christmas lights and I hate putting that stuff up and I'm kind of a Scrooge when it comes to that. My wife has to start fighting me, usually around November 1st, and that's usually our trade-off. Hey, you can grow your hair out, but you're going to do something with Christmas lights. That's kind of where we, we compromise in our relationship. But I hate putting those up. So if you drive by my house right now, you're going to be really disappointed because it, there's nothing festive about the Beale residence right now. Um, but I, I love the holiday spirit and I love getting behind it and getting involved in that. And this whole Advent idea, this Advent conspiracy, this thought, man, that this waiting and anticipating the coming of Jesus. Man, I I love the fact that we are about to celebrate what it means that that Jesus is coming and and the thought of God not being out there somewhere and, you know, up in heaven and, and looking down on us, but the thought of Emmanuel, of God with us. Man, and I love that, and so today we're just gonna kind of dive into what it looks like to worship God fully, and what keeps us possibly from worshiping God fully, and how to walk out of here, hopefully, and have a better understanding of worship and taking it from maybe a habit to a lifestyle. And that's kind of where we're going for this. So I don't know where you are with holidays, but I, I have this feeling about Christmas. I, I think that many of us are gonna worship this Christmas, we're just not all gonna worship Jesus. And I don't know if it's the, um, the power of the tubes, man, something in the television that sucks us in, Um, And it is something about all the holidays that we make up, like Black Friday and Cyber Monday and Taco Tuesday and all these things that just gets pulled into Christmas and time that tries to make us lose sight, I think, of what's going on. And, And this is my thought, though. We don't wake up somewhere around December 20th and think, I can't wait to remove Jesus from this time of year. I don't think we we end somewhere in January, and we, we don't look back and we think, man, I'm so glad that I removed Jesus from Christmas this year. We, we really don't think we're not wired that way, but somehow on that trip, man, on that trip from somewhere around now until a little bit after Christmas, it's really easy to slip into this mindset of Christmas not being about Emmanuel, not being about God with us, and we lose sight of that, and we lose sight of worship. And I want us to look at that today. So, man, if you've got a Bible. Um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. We're going to dive into this, and hopefully this is not going to be too painful for us. Luke chapter 2, um, we're going to go in and just kind of see, see where this takes us. Uh, we're we'll starting in verse 41, and, and before we dive into this, let me just throw this out, and we'll explain this here in just a little bit, but let me just throw this out so you can be like thinking on this, hopefully. Um, we're going to read through the story of Jesus, um, and just, just let this sink in. I really honestly believe that Jesus doesn't identify you by your past. Let, let that set for just a second. God does not identify us by our past, and if Jesus doesn't identify you by your past, why should you? Let that, let that sink in for just a minute and kind of meditate on that as we drive through this and unpack this, this, passage, of scripture, this passage, um, passage of Scripture. If God doesn't identify us with our past, why should you? Let me pray, and we're going to dive into this. Jesus, thank you for, um, God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time of year. Thank you for the fact that you left heaven and came to this planet, God, to dwell with us, to be with us, and God, to, to be the Savior that we desperately need. God, would you, in the next few moments, speak through this passage of Scripture, God, I pray that it would come alive. I pray that we would understand what's, what's here, God, that we would learn not just information, but we would learn application, God, that we would walk out of this place different. Jesus, I pray that you would open our hearts up to who you are, possibly some of us, God, for the first time. And Jesus, if anyone right now is is trapped in that moment of being away from you, God, I pray that they would have the wisdom today to come back. And Jesus, we ask you to do something because I can't, God. So we ask this in the beautiful and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to start in Luke 2. Verse 41, and we're just gonna kind of take this a little bit at a time, unpack it, and then keep going through the end of the story. This is one of those cool stories where we we see Jesus as little baby Jesus in the manger, you know, six pound, eight ounce, baby Jesus lying in the manger. And then we see Jesus as an adult doing miracles, but we really don't see much of Jesus kind of in the in-between time. And this is one of the, the few, really the only spot where we see Jesus in that middle stage of life. So pick this up with me in verse 41. It says, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to their custom. So let's stop for just a second and and look at this. For the last 12 years of Jesus's life, his parents have picked him up. They've gathered him up. They packed up the the camel, and they've traveled to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. Every year for 12 years, these guys have gone to Jerusalem for this feast to celebrate, to offer, offer their sacrifice, and as a family to have church. Every year for 12 years, they've done this. I honestly think that Mary and Joseph, every year before Jesus, this was a part of what they had done. I feel like church was a part of their life. It was something that they did, and my fear in this is exactly what's happening to a lot of us. Church becomes habitual and not a lifestyle. Following into Jesus and diving into Christmas and diving into this this season of Advent, it becomes habitual. It becomes something that we just do. Man, it's Sunday. It's 9 o'clock. Football's not for another two hours, so I guess I go to church. What else do we do? Man, it's Sunday. My parents went to church, so I guess that's what I do. I go to church. And this, this, this thought of coming and gathering together corporately like this and worshiping and celebrating and anticipating the coming of Jesus, it becomes a habit for us. And it's dangerous when worship becomes a habit and not a lifestyle. It's dangerous when we start to worship through just because that's what we do and not because of who we are. Look, look, in verse 43. It says, "'After the feast was over, "'while his parents were returning home, "'the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, "'but they were unaware of it. "'Thinking that he was in their company, "'they traveled on for a day. "'Then they began looking for him "'among the relatives and their friends. "'When they did not find him, "'they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. "'After three days, "'they found him in the temple courts, "'sitting among the teachers, "'listening to them and asking them questions.' Um, Parents Have you ever lost your kid? (laughs) No, seriously Um, I've been in youth ministry for 17 years And I can honestly say I have never All the camps, all the retreats, everything we've ever done I have never unintentionally lost a student (laughs) There was one time that I left a kid behind But he deserved it It was a lesson It was a learning moment in his life and he was a better man for it by the end of the trip and it taught him time management and to be at a spot when you're supposed to be at a spot and we didn't technically leave him we just drove off around a block and then came back and got him but it proved a point but but parents have you ever lost your kid have you ever had that moment where you're sitting there and everything's great and then you look down and you think wait a second we're one short kinda like that home alone moment my um. I've shared with you guys some of my family, if you've listened to anything over the last couple weeks that I've got a chance to say. Um, My my son has a heart defect and he got a call from Make-A-Wish about four years ago. And we had this beautiful opportunity to to give him, um, he was granted a wish. And so we're talking as a family, you know, hey, what do you wanna do? He was six at the time. and, And my family has grown up just in love with baseball. Um, and as a dad who honors Christ and wants to honor Christ through my kids, I've taught them the Dodgers and how much Jesus loves them and how we should, we should further that in their life. So every one of my kids, when they're born, their very first picture, they have a Los Angeles Dodgers cap on and a little Dodger jersey and every, all three of them have grown up loving God. So as when Make-A-Wish called, and we're talking to my son about this, he's like, Dad, I want to play baseball with the Dodgers. I was like, thank you, Jesus. And I was like, man, this is awesome. So we tell the Make-A-Wish people, they fly us to California and we're sitting there on the field and and I don't know what heaven is like for you but this was the picture and the dream for me of walking down and and looking out onto the field and and being on Dodger Stadium in the grass and and looking out over the stadium and, and seeing people like Andre Ethier and Matt Kemp and seeing Juan Pierre and then seeing Jeff Kent walk over to grab my son and take him out onto the field. It was beautiful. Um, I cried just a little bit and I'm not ashamed to admit that in public. It was amazing. We went up, had a Dodger dog, we're having this beautiful time and, and we're, we're doing this and it's amazing. Um, Jake's out on the field, he's getting pitched to by Jeff Kent and Juan Pierre is catching for him and they're giving him batting tips and I'm thinking, this is heaven. This is what it's going to be like for eternity. And I look over to my side and my daughter, who's 10, is like, Dad, that's Zac Efron. Is that, that's Zac Ephron. I was like, I don't even know who that is. No, it's not. And she's like, no, Dad, that's, that's Zach Efron. I was like, he doesn't play for the Dodgers. <laughs> and so my wife, seeing that moment, takes my daughter over to meet him. And he's a great guy, man, taking pictures with her, signing autographs and all this stuff. And I'm in this beautiful moment where I'm standing on the grass in Dodger Stadium. I'm looking out, and my son is playing catch with my, man, the, the team that I've grown up. And I don't know why. Some of you are going to ask, why do you, do-? I don't know. Um, I grew up in Texas. Um, I, I don't I have no idea, but it it just was, and so I've just gone with it. And I'm looking out, and I'm seeing my kids. Man, my son's right there doing this beautiful thing, something he's never gonna get another opportunity to do. My daughter is over here, and it's just peaceful. The most surreal, beautiful moment in my life until I realize that I'm a dad of three. (laughs) And I have this moment where I'm thinking, I have a three-year-old somewhere named Hope. I have no clue where she's at right now. <laughs> and I'm terrified. And it was the fastest run from peace and beauty to, oh my gosh, what have I done, type. And, and it went from that to like zero to zero to that in not even two seconds. And there's, there's a 30 second window in here where I'm just tearing stuff up. I'm pushing people on the grass out of the way. I'm horrified, looking, trying to find my daughter somewhere around, and I look up and I see Tommy Lasorda holding my three-year-old little girl, and she is holding on to his neck for all that it's worth, and he's talking to SportsCenter, doing an interview, holding my daughter. And I sat back in that moment and thought, thank you, Jesus, this is beautiful. And I sat there with just tears in my eyes and just rejoiced for the, as long as it took, and we never washed those clothes or our daughter from that point forward. And it was beautiful. Have you ever lost your kid? Been there in that moment, and you're like, oh my goodness, where is little Steve? Where where have they they gone? What have they done? And and think for just a second on this, parents, because um, they lost Jesus. (laughs) and, And parents, let this sink in. As a parent, your job is to raise Jesus and to be his earthly symbol of parents on this planet, and you lost him. There's no rebounding from that. There's no card that's like, hey, heard you lost Jesus, sorry. What do you do? How do you, how do you come back from that? And, and it wasn't just that they lost Jesus for, you know, just for 30 minutes or an hour or 30 seconds. This says they lost Jesus for a day. And it takes them three days to find Jesus. Can you imagine how terrified you would be as a parent to lose your child for three days? Not to mention that your child is the breathing creator's son. It starts with one tiny small step away from Jerusalem. It starts, and if if you see this, it starts right in verse 43, after the feast was over. With his parents returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind, but they were unaware of it. It starts with us taking one tiny little step away from where Jesus is. And before they know it, they're an entire day's journey away from Jesus. So before you dive into this too much and you're like, man, Mary and Joseph are possibly the worst parents ever invented, but they're they're terrible. Why don't you stop for a second and think how many times have we left Jesus behind in our life? Because this isn't just something that they did. This is something that we can still do. And we do it during the season of Advent and the series of Christmas and this, this season of hopefully, man, supposedly celebrating our Super Bowl As believers, guys, this is as good as it gets. This is the day that we celebrate that God sent His Son to be our payment for sin, that He sent help, man, that He sent the one thing that we will never have, which is peace, joy, and happiness, and we'll never get that without Him. This is the day that we celebrate that, and how many times have we walked away from that for something else? And it starts with one tiny little step, and then it goes into another little step, and then another little step. And then we wake up and we look back one day and we're miles, miles away from God. Let's keep going. Do do you realize Mary and Joseph had angels come to them? Seriously, think this through for a second. They had angels show up in their house and say, hey, you're going to give birth to Jesus. You're going to be the dad of the creator of the universe. Mary, you're going to be the mom. They had angels show up and tell them this. I don't know what it was like when you found out you were going to be a parent. Um, It felt like an angel telling me, honestly, but it wasn't, I'm pretty sure. They had angels telling them this. They've done this for the last 12 years, going back and celebrating Christmas. And my thought in this before we, we read any farther is that information does not lead to transformation in our life. Just because you know some things does not lead to you being transformed. There's more to it. Information doesn't lead to transformation, and and that's huge. And, and my fear in this is that religious people that go to church a lot, I'm trying to figure out a nice way of saying this, religious people are usually some of the best at disguising their walk away from God. We justify it, and we hide it, and usually we're some of the worst at hiding how far we've actually moved. Let's keep going to verse 45. It says, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. If you're in this right now and you're thinking, okay, this is me, man, I've taken one small step and maybe it was a poor decision, maybe it was something that you knew you shouldn't have done and you still did it, but you took that one small step and now you're looking back and thinking, man, I'm nowhere near where I'm supposed to be. Can I just give you some advice this morning? The way that you fix this is you go back to the place of worship. You go back to the place of sacrifice. Do you see what Mary and Joseph did? They've looked everywhere from Jesus. They don't know where else to go, so they go back to the last place they saw him. They go back to the place of worship. They go back to the place of sacrifice. And that's where they find God. So if you've had that moment, man, you've taken those small steps away, can I just encourage you, come back to the place of worship. And worship is not just what happens the moment where Brian and Ryan or whoever comes on the stage and they sing. That's not only worship. That is worship, don't get me wrong, but that's not the only time and the only opportunity that we have to worship. Worship happens when you open this book up and you allow this to become this. Worship happens when we step out of this place and we are living examples of the creator of the universe out there. Worship happens when we take things like angel tree and we go into our community and we're living, breathing examples of God. Worship happens when we step out of this and we do more with what God is doing inside of us. And worship doesn't just happen here, but the thought behind this is to come back to the place of worship, to get back into the habit of coming together like this, to get back into the habit of coming together as a fellowship and worshiping God corporately, to get back into the habit of spending time here. To get back into the habit of spending time on your face before God and worshiping Him fully. If you've had that moment where you've woke up and you're like, man, how did I get here? Because <laughs> I, I, honestly, I believe we don't wake up in the morning and think, you know what? Christmas would be way cooler if God wasn't involved. We don't wake up and think, you know, I'm going to make this really terrible decision and it's going to mess up everything in my life. That's awesome. What a great way to start Monday. And we don't just dive into that. We just make poor decisions and we turn, make those tiny little steps and we turn around and then we're miles away. Just want to challenge you to go back to the place of worship. Go back to the place of sacrifice. Go back to that place that you saw Jesus. Look in verse 47. It says, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Who left Jesus behind? How many times do we do this? Mary and Joseph walked off and left Jesus in Jerusalem, left him at the temple, left him doing their thing. They're the ones that walked off and left and then it's almost like they expected God to follow them. Hmm. How many times in our life have we wandered off and just expected God to follow us? Do you understand how backwards and how horrible of a theology that is? To think that God should follow us. The whole point of this, just so you know, is for us to follow him. The whole point of Advent, the whole point of Christmas, the whole point of this relationship with Jesus is not for him to follow us, but for us to follow him. And they're looking at Jesus and going, dude, why did you do this to us? Why didn't you follow us? And you need to understand this because this is a huge, powerful point in this. The, The relationship was never severed in this moment, but the fellowship was. They took that moment where they walked away from God and the fellowship that they had was severed. For those three days, they did not have direct fellowship with Jesus. They did not have that intimate where they could sit and they could talk to him. They did not have that intimate where they could hold him. They did not have that intimate where they could hear his voice. They did not have that intimate fellowship, but he was still their son. They still had that relationship. And again, let me throw this out like we started this with. If God doesn't judge you and and hold you to your past, why do you? Because if you're in that moment right now and you're thinking, man, I've walked away from God and this is where I'm at and and that's the moment that you're in right now, you need to understand that all you've got to do is come back to the place of worship and start following God. The relationship was never severed, just the fellowship. So how do we do this? How do we How do we keep this from happening in our lives? How do we we wake up January 5th and still be in that moment of anticipating the return of God? Do you realize that one day Jesus is coming back? That one day, according to his word, the sky is gonna open up and that God is gonna come back and that we are gonna be called to a place called heaven that sin has never entered into. One day, we're gonna celebrate and see Jesus face to face. Why would we ever trade anything for that thought and that hope? Why would we trade anything for the promise of God's return. And and my theory on this, and again, this is just my theory, and it's already obvious to most of you that I'm probably not the smartest person in this room. My theory behind this is we're totally content and we're completely satisfied with God being up there. We can get that, and some of us, we're, we're okay with that, but what we struggle with is Emmanuel, which is God with us here. And maybe right now you're in a spot where life just stinks. <laughs> maybe you've made some really poor decisions and you've, you've walked away from God and you made some really, really drastic, just poor, poor choices. And you've taken those first small steps and it started off really easy, maybe with, with just, I don't know, a phone call, maybe with something, maybe that first tiny step you didn't even realize it and then you took another one and then you took another one and then you took another one and before you realize it, you're miles away and you're at the point now where you're blaming God going, God, where are you at? God, why aren't you here with me? And you're expecting him to follow you instead of the truth, which should be us following him. Can I just say that the smartest thing you could do today is to go back to the place of worship. Go back to the place where you last saw Jesus. Go back to this. (laughs) The relationship has never been severed, just a fellowship. What would Christmas look like this year in your house men if we taught our sons what it was like to be a godly man and we spent the money that we should have spent on games and on things and on toys that are just going to go in a closet and we spent time with our kids and showed them what a godly husband looked like, what a godly man looked like, and all of our flaws and all of our inadequacies, and we showed them what it was like to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Ladies, what would your homes look like if you started to teach your daughters and your sons what a godly woman looked like? And you started teaching them what it was like to follow Jesus and to, to not expect him to follow you, but what it was like to worship him fully and to spend time pursuing him. I just think it would change this time of year. And I think we spend so much time on gifts and exchanges, we forget what's going on. And let me give you a little free hint on a way to, to perk up. If, you've, if you're the man in the family that's got to have gifts under the trees, go into your kid's closet, and I guarantee you there's things they haven't played with for probably four years, rewrap those and throw them under the tree. We do it every year. And my kids are like, a Nerf gun. Wow, I always wanted that. I was like, who knew? (laughs) And spend more time on creating memories with your kids that are going to point them toward Jesus. Show them what it looks like to go back to the place of worship. Show them what it looks like to, to dive into this. And show them what it looks like to go back and to follow God. I think this Christmas we're all going to worship somebody. We're all going to worship something. Um, I'm just not sure it's going to be. I'm just not sure it's going to be Christmas. I'm not sure it's going to be Jesus. And and I looked up the definition for worship, and this was the best I could come up with. It, it means to celebrate the worth of something or someone that is superior to yourself. True worship means to celebrate the worth of something or someone that is superior to yourself. If you're looking for what true worship looks like, let me challenge you to, to go in and look at these three men named the wise men. We don't even know their names. Look at the, the wise men and how they worshiped Jesus. Do you realize that these guys, um, they give us just a glimpse of what happens when, when we get just a glimpse of just how worthy God is. These guys, they travel across the world to meet Jesus. They confront kings and dominant forces. um, And then they give God the best of of what they have. You want to know what worshiping fully looks like this year in your life? It's going to be to do do those three things. It's going to be for you to realize how worthy God is. It's going to be for you to maybe travel to meet him and then to go out and do something for him. It's going to mean for you to, to really... Maybe step up to people who are looking at you and saying, no, Christmas is this. This season time is this. This is for this. And for you to step up and say, hold on, let me, let me get things straight. This is who Jesus is. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. I think some of us today have, have walked so far away from God and we've gotten to the point where are like, God, why aren't you with us? Why, why aren't you here? And we've expected him to follow us. And I think today, I think this season, I think this season of Advent, I think Christmas, I think this celebration would be a great time of year for us to come back to the place of worship and to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us here. And if you've walked away and you're in that moment, let me start off or end with what we started with. If Jesus doesn't identify you by your past, maybe you shouldn't either. Maybe you've made some really poor decisions that have led you far away. Come back. Maybe you're in that moment where where you've, and this is just finally making sense. Man, I just wanna encourage you to come back. My challenge for us this year is simple. Let's worship God fully this Christmas season. Let's make it not a habit, but a lifestyle. Let's make it something that we do. Let's make worship this year for God, not something that happens in this building, but something that happens out there. Let's make worship a part of who we are. And I think it's time that we as Christians, and I know this sounds really cheesy and really corny, um, I think it's time we take Christmas back. I really do. I think it's time that we as Christ followers take back the birth of our King. And we start celebrating Christmas more than we do Black Friday or how cheap the 60-inch TV was that we got. I think it's time that we as believers start to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. And the world starts to see that in how we live. And we start to worship out there. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for, um, God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for, for loving us. And Jesus, I thank you for the fact that I know personally, God, that the times that I've walked away from you um, and, and the times, God, that I've expected you to be where I'm at instead of me going to where you are. Um, God, I know that it's, it's never been a moment that you, you left me. Um, God, I know it's never been a moment that our relationship was, was severed. God, I know that, that there's nothing that I can do that will ever cause you to love me any less. So God, right now in this room, Jesus, would you help us to understand one, God, help us to understand what it means to worship you fully. Help us to understand, God, what it means to come back and to spend time in fellowship like this. God, to spend time in your word, to spend time in our communities. God, showing them what, what, it, what God with flesh looks like. And God, for those of us in this room right now that struggle God, with struggle with our past, would you just let that reality and that truth sink in that you don't judge us, God, and we're not identified by our past, we're identified by you, and and God, would you allow us just maybe some freedom today and just some peace and some joy this holiday season? God, but for all of us today, would you help us to wait in anticipation, Jesus, for your coming return and to do it with such a happiness and a joy, God, that the world sees a difference in who we are? God, would you just call people back today? In Jesus' name, amen.